Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, my thanks to John Paul for sitting in for me yesterday. He's back taking your calls at 1850-333-103. And I scheduled a day off yesterday because, as I mentioned on Wednesday, Marsha was going for her second injection on Wednesday afternoon. And because she had spiked such a high temperature after the first one and was feeling a little bit miserable for a couple of days after jab number one, I just said, let's err on the side of. She may be feeling a little unwell after the second uh, jab. And her temperature did go up. It certainly didn't go as high as it did the first time and I managed to get it down much quicker than I did after the first jab but she was just exhausted in herself uh, yesterday and appeared to have a bit of a headache. She seemed to be wincing a little bit as well so I left her at home and gave her kind of a pampering day where she kind of slept for much of the day. I'm blessed in that she's a great uh, little patient but it's just sort of the the she, she always does seem to react to vaccines which some doctors say is a good sign of her immune system uh, kicking in but just such a relief to now know she's had her second jab. Now we have another two weeks to wait before she can be deemed fully vaccinated but it is such a relief and I know a lot of other people experiencing that same relief when they get the second jab. She had received AstraZeneca. She was 13 weeks waiting between her first jab and her second jab and you know while all that was going on the Delta variant at the beginning when she got the jab I was just relieved that she had it but then of course we weren't to know that we were going to have a Delta variant that was very much affecting people who'd only had their first jab so it was it has come with a great sense of relief that she has it and all of the papers today are reporting that we are now facing a fourth COVID-19 wave this summer. The Chief Medical Officer Tony Houlihan has warned that the surge triggered by the highly infectious Delta variant uh, will hit in August and into September and they are now accepting that it is unstoppable. An accelerated rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines to the younger age groups they're saying well that's welcomed it'll fail to halt the spiralling cases that will happen in this month July and again in August but then the hope is it'll be brought under control in uh, September but Tony Houlihan is saying we're not going to stop it happening the variant is becoming dominant right across Europe it's not just here in Ireland so now it's a case of when 
this fourth wave is going to peak rather than uh, if. Tony Hoolan says we're facing a significant wave of Delta-driven transmissions. We are in the same position as the rest of Western Europe. Now, the variant has jumped from half of the cases of the virus. We're now running at 70% of all cases diagnosed are the Delta variant. And that's happened in a very, very short space of time. What's behind the outbreaks in the country? They're pointing to gatherings, social gatherings of uh, people. And they're also looking at gatherings that happened outdoors. And yet we've been told you're safer if you're going to socialise, you're safer gathering outside. The HSE has drawn up a new plan now, of course, to offer AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson uh, vaccines. It was previously confined to people under the age of 50. They're Over the age of 50, they're now going to give it to the younger age groups. The Delta variant, two and a half times more infectious than the form of coronavirus that was circulating last summer. There's been a series of outbreaks across the country and yesterday Neffet and the HSC were giving details of some of those outbreaks. One involved 200 cases in Dungarvan in County Waterford. Now seemingly that was linked to a pub. There was some kind of an event in a pub. As far as I know it was to do with a sporting event and somebody having a win and everybody heading into the pub, too many people gathered. And then, of course, they all went off home to their own houses and it has led to 200 uh, cases. There's also been flare-ups reported in Athlone and in Sligo. And as far as I know, the one in Athlone was an outdoor event down by the river, but everyone was was outside. But it seemed to have been some kind of a super spreading spreader event. There's particular concern about the growing spread of the virus now in Dublin. Uh, the Dr. Ronan Glynn, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, he was speaking yesterday. He says it's not about one workplace. It's not about one pub. It's not about one family. He said the problem is that once it gets into the community, it's spreading much easier than we've seen in uh, the past. And of course, the news reached us yesterday. We now have officially 5,000 deaths in this country since the pandemic uh, began. The numbers yesterday that we were reporting was 448. Number of people in hospital stable, 44 people in hospital, 14 of them are in intensive care. But when you look at the 44 that were in hospital, there was 12 additional admissions in the previous 24 hours. So there's now concern that the hospitalisations that had been hugely, hugely falling and there was like a steady, steady decrease, they're now stabilising. And of course, the worry is that when they were falling and they start to stabilise, the worry is that what happens then is they start to go back up rather than continuing to fall. Philip Nolan, the professor, he's the guy who tracks the virus. He says the incidence of the virus is now growing at 2% a day. The R number, he says, is above 1, which means the spread is growing after a period of slow decline. The extent of the impact on hospitalisations and severe illness, that's only now starting to emerge, but it is likely to double the risk of somebody being admitted to a ward. But the highest risks are in people who are unvaccinated and in that group of people who have only received one dose. The incidence is increasing in all age groups. They're saying from as young as five right up to 65-year-olds. The wave has been smaller and that's because uh, Neffet intervened early before the reopening of indoor hospitality. The other positive, obviously, is the level of COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, up to yesterday, 45% of our population fully vaccinated and the HSE are planning 
by the end of this week, 330,000 doses will have been administered. And when you look then at the people like the 448, the new cases yesterday, when you look at the uh, age group, the median age of people who are getting the virus is 26 over 83% of people diagnosed with COVID-19 are under the age of 45 and they are traditionally the people who haven't been vaccinated uh, yet. Dr Houlihan was asked again yesterday about indoor hospitality. He said he he believed it should be possible to reopen under the proposed system of only allowing the fully vaccinated people or people who have had the infection in the previous nine, nine months in as customers. He is still sticking with that and that is the only way, he says, indoor hospitality can open. He says, if it is if it is not able to be implemented, then he said, we are simply recommending uh, that, that we, indoor activities that we don't have indoor activities that we don't go back to indoor dining unless it's only for people who are fully vaccinated or people who have recovered. He said it is an important commercial activity. He said we need to give it a chance to resume. That's why they're suggesting to allow only people who were vaccinated are recovering from uh, COVID. He said this is not going to be over in four weeks. Any honest assessment is that it is going to be with us for some time. And of course, as I mentioned there, it isn't just here in Ireland, it's spreading right across Europe. I mean, the World Health Organization uh, in Europe came out yesterday and they've warned of this new wave of COVID-19, which is sweeping through all European uh, countries and it will continue to increase they say unless people remain disciplined and that's to do with the hand washing face masks and social uh, distancing and also more people need to get uh, vaccinated. The World Health Organisation has reported they had been reporting a 10 week drop in COVID-19 cases in Europe and that was fantastic news and then suddenly there's now a 10% rise in infection cases and that's just over the past week and the reason for that they're saying there is increased mixing, there's travel, there's gatherings of people and obviously in some countries there's easing of social restrictions and then of course the World Health Organisation cited the Euro 2020, the soccer tournament which is on at the moment, they're saying that's a factor in the cases. I mean in in Scotland's health authority had to come out this week saying 1,991 people had been identified as attending a Euro 2020 event while infectious. Now I'm not saying any of these people deliberately went while they were infectious but it subsequently turned out when they got diagnosed they then said oh yeah I was at a Euro 2020 event and Finnish authorities also have come out saying that more than 300 of their nationals were infected while supporting their team in the Euro 2020 soccer uh, tournament so that certainly is coming under scrutiny at the moment but on a good news for the younger people because it's the younger people at the moment what was that figure? 83% were under the age of uh, 45 and the median age is down in the 20s. So it's that that group who haven't been vaccinated and up to now didn't even have a date for when they were going to be vaccinated. Well, breaking news this morning from the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, he has today announced an expansion of the vaccination rollout programme to younger people. It will see 18 to 34-year-olds being able to opt in for either the one-dose Janssen, the Johnson & Johnson or AstraZeneca for an early vaccination. The Minister was speaking earlier this morning and he said this opt-in system will run in parallel with the on 
online portal registration, calling it a two-track approach in the vaccine rollout. From next Monday, 750 pharmacies can begin administering the Janssen vaccine to people in the 18 to 34 age groups who opt in. And then from the following Monday, the 12th of July, that same age group, the portal will open where they'll be able to choose whether they want if they want to wait and get a Pfizer or Moderna jab or whether they'll go earlier with the AstraZeneca or the Janssen vaccines. So it's going to be from next Monday. So what you need to do then if you're in that 18 to 34 age group you're going to need to check in with your local pharmacy not every pharmacy is doing it the 750 pharmacies nationwide so check in with your local pharmacy to see are they administering and see if you can book yourself in for a jab usually this weekend the first weekend in July would be a massive weekend in the pretty town of uh, Clonakilty because the South of Ireland Band Championships would always be on and it would be tied in with the old time fair but obviously with Covid restrictions that can't go ahead on the streets as it normally does but the organisers have asked me to mention that they are going online from tomorrow so if you are a fan of big bands I would suggest you log on tomorrow to SOI South of Ireland SOI Band Championships.ie and they're going to have a virtual event tomorrow online good luck to everybody taking part in that and then one of our listeners is wondering about other people's thoughts on the unveiling that happened in London yesterday of the standard statue of the late Princess Diana on what would have been her 60th birthday. Isn't it hard to imagine that beautiful Princess Diana would have been at 60 and I imagine she would have aged beautifully with grace and decorum and she would have been stunningly beautiful at 60 as she was at 30. Anyway, and I'm assuming people, it was was on all of our news bulletins, it was all over social media yesterday, the unveiling and of course all eyes were on the unveiling of this statue because the two brothers, William and Harry had to put aside their differences to unveil that statue yesterday and they looked like they were jolly and happy and delighted to be in one's company but you wonder how much of that was actually an act because the one thing I, what stood out for me was there was no other members of the royal family present, Diana's siblings were there but no other senior royals except for Prince Harry and Prince William but anyway that's a a beside what's upsetting one of our listeners today is the actual statue itself well says this listener I'm flabbergasted at the Princess Diana statue it's awful it doesn't look remotely like her she looks old and is that a boy and a girl that she's holding if so why is it not two boys? She had two boys. She didn't have a boy and a girl. Imagine in years to come, people would think, did she have a son and a daughter? Knock it down and build a proper one in her honour, says a listener. Well, can I tell you, the photograph and the, the angle that all the shots were taken at, it does look like it is just two children. There's actually a, another little boy behind the little girl. You have to see the statue from a different angle to see that it's another child. They're not meant to in any way be... Harry and William when they were younger. The statue depicts her surrounded by three children and the style of her dress is meant to evoke the final period of her life when she gained confidence in her humanitarian work and it's actually based on an outfit seemingly she wore when she was surrounded by children. She was doing some kind of humanitarian work, I don't know if it was humanitarian work in England or outside of England but that's what it was modelled on but there has been some criticism of if you 
if you home in on, on the face that she does look older but I don't know whether it's the fact that it's just in bronze the boys themselves said they were pleased with it but what else were they going to say but anyway interesting to see that this listener is flabbergasted doesn't like it at all and is wondering how do others feel that it doesn't actually reflect the Princess Diana that uh, people knew and the, the beauty of, uh, the, of the woman and that she actually looks quite old in it and as I say I don't know if it's the fact that it's just in bronze that that's the way it turned out 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Lady from Dublin has emailed the programme to say, Hi C103, I found your radio station online and started to listen because as a family of five, two adults and three children, all under the age of 14, we are planning our staycation this year in beautiful West Cork. I started to listen to your radio station to get a feel for the area. Sadly, I'm emailing to say that today I've cancelled our booking for our two-week holiday and I have instead booked a two-week holiday in Northern Ireland. Both my husband and I work in healthcare, so therefore are fully vaccinated. But due to my children's age, none of them are. I cannot take the risk that when dining out, my children will not be allowed to join us in a restaurant. So thank you to Neffet and the government's decisions. West Cork loss is Northern Ireland's game as our hard-earned cash will now be spent up there instead. Yours in frustration, a Dublin mother. The West Cork uh, Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Michael, you're hearing about similar cancellations, I believe. I am indeed. Uh, it's, it's devastating news, I suppose, for the for the um, hospitality sector, you know, that have spent the last year and a half, in, in most cases, almost a year and a half closed. Um, over phone that uh, these uh, well, some businesses and, and their expectations are high and they were getting back and they were painting and getting their place ready and prepared safely for customers and that's the, the problem here is I don't think the government understands that their intentions are good and they should the government had made a decision and then made a decision to sit down with the hospitality sector after I think they should have sat down with the hospitality sector beforehand and found out what measures were they putting in place to make sure their customers were safe and the sad thing now we have people and it's been happening for the last number of weeks uh, in droves heading north to the north of Ireland for hen for stag nights um, and, and as that lady that emailed you heading for their holidays to the north which is going to lead to obviously massive loss of revenue to places in County Cork where you know people enjoy their their holidays uh, because of cancellations uh, you know and B&Bs Every, everyone's going to suffer along the line here and, um, and I mean, and it is, you know, I can actually, while I'm saddened that she's not going to come and join us for her holidays, I can actually understand it. I mean, if it's, if it's, you know, you, you assume it's um, self-catering accommodation that she had booked. And we all know when we go away on holidays and if we were going foreign, you like to eat out. You don't want to be at home cooking all the, all the time. And so you can understand where she's coming from. If indoor dining is not going to be available or only available to herself and the husband and what she sends the kids down the road to the chipper, you can actually understand why families are making that decision. They are, and, and, and you know, I could easily relate to that, and everybody who goes for a holiday likes to, you know, as you said, eat out and, and enjoy, enjoy their, their few days off, and sometimes that's about all they get in the year, you said she was working in the health 
uh, there was, and they worked very hard and they needed a break. But the bottom line is there was no trust given uh, to the, this hospitality sector and no trust has been given to them all along. There's an assumption there that the pubs uh, and the restaurants are the, are the main cause of the spread of the, of the coronavirus. And that's terrible, terrible unfair. For the very short period of time, some of those were allowed open. They spaced out their customers. They, they acted very, very responsibly. And you have situations now where there'll be an illegal, back to the situation we were before, where there was illegal parties going on behind the scenes which is going to cause the spread of the virus whereas if, they, if, if, if the sector was allowed to work with the government and, and work towards opening in a safe manner we could have had a, a, you know, pubs open throughout carpet for the summer time where there would have been customers inside and feeling safe and feeling comfortable about being in there we also have the farcical situation Patricia where they're saying oh when they'll open and God only knows it could be they open this year either but it, when they'll be allowed open that they're now going to have to mend the customers they come in so we'll say that lady did, and there were a load of them in, in, we say, a month's time. That lady might come down. So you can go in, your husband can come in because you're vaccinated, but your two children can't, or three, because they're not vaccinated. And the public will stand at the door. And, man, that, that's an insane situation the government has found themselves, uh, we found ourselves in. And another situation that I can't understand, because it's kind of saying one thing and doing another, we have the, the hospitality sector told to keep the doors closed, basically, because there's a new dangers out there and there's new variants and they'll be the cause of spreading it if they open. But in the same, the same government, same politicians stopped paying the grants to the nursing homes yesterday for COVID materials, for the safety of staff, the safety of patients, claiming that the teacher said, like, we have to move on. So, like, why are we moving on with one sector? But we had decided to move on when to the elderly in the sector in the nursing home. And the nursing homes are up in arms over there. And but, you, ba- you, but, but back to that, our Dublin mother and, and her three kids, would antigen testing not work in that, okay, her, herself and her husband are fully vaccinated. Could you not antigen test the three children going into a restaurant? Antigen, antigen t- testing, obviously temperature, everything could have been worked on if they sat down with the hospitality sector and said, look, we're, we're, we, we, if you don't work with us, we're not going to open your doors. They were re- ready, willing and able to work with them, but they never got a chance. And they were laid up the garden path as if they were going to open. I know I have publicans and restaurant owners ringing me saying they bought stuff. They thought they were allowed open. They were being told they were allowed open. And in the last minute, at the flick of a finger, their, their doors are shut. And, you know, there's another sector too that's been very, very badly hit and very badly handled is young people wanting to go to make their communion, want to make their confirmation. Their hearts have been broken time and, and time again. And we find out now, just Leo Varadkin kind of flippantly said that, oh no, they're not going ahead. And Neffet never advised him to uh, to stop uh, confirmations and, and holy communions. And I know for a fact the bishops were willing to walk and the churches were willing to walk. You know, there can be space out where 500 people come in. They're willing to walk with the government, but they never got a chance. And nobody's getting a chance here. It's, you know, some of this stuff, like I'm telling you about nursing homes, and I'm telling you about uh, pubs and restaurants being closed. Nursing homes being told, okay, you don't need uh, um, safety equipment anymore. It's, it's something like you make up in uh, Kilnascully, a big laugh sketch, but it's not a laughable matter for the business person, for the person who wants a holiday in West Cork or, the, or County Cork, or the person who wants to, you know, get their business back up and running, and back, their employees, their responsibility, they feel to their employees. The whole thing is it's shockingly badly handled, to be honest. But does public health not come before the hospitality industry, as awful and as saddening it is for those business, 
would, you know, Neffet are saying we have to protect the people. Uh, Tony Houlihan again came out yesterday, said the only way we can open up indoor dining is for fully vaccinated people. And he said the only reason he's recommended that is to give that commercial activity a little bit of a chance. But he said if that's not possible, then he said we will not be recommending indoor activities of any kind. Public health will always have to come first, especially with this pandemic, Patricia. I do fully agree with that. But at the end of the day, why didn't they give them the opportunity? Why didn't they sit down with them and, and, and tease out uh, a, a pathway forward? They never did this. They told them they'd reopen, and then they pulled the plug on them. Just, you can literally say, oh, before that happened. So they've not given been given the chance as to, and, and, and to see how they can, you know, uh, dine, people dine inside, and people, you know, will say, have a drink inside, in a very safe manner. And certainly talking to the publicans I know, and the responsible publicans I know, they certainly were willing to do all this, but they never got a chance. They were told, yes, you can reopen, go ahead, get everything ready, everything was got ready, some people even bought stock, and the next thing again, bang. You're la- and now there's no, there's no pathway. God, they haven't a clue. So they're talking to the hospitality sector now, when they should have been talking to the hospitality sector a month ago, and the whole thing is up in, up in a, a mess, and there's are, a lot I, of angry business people. Are you fearful of for the tourism, the local tourism business lost for another summer season? You know, we're, we're totally the 2nd of July now today. We're totally dependent on whether we hear there's a bad forecast for this weekend. If that's the case, there'll be nobody dining out. It's lovely if we can get the sun, and the sun shines. Because the people will come, we could see that, and they have been coming to my own place in West Car- areas in West Cork. But I am worried, I'm very, very worried for the hospitality sector, in the, the two sectors that have been closed, you could say, since the beginning of this. Um, and I'm worried that people will take that as being not to come in here, go, go to the north of Ireland, everything is wide open and running safely up there, and they're quite happy to take that um, decision and, and head up to the north of Ireland and leaving us in a difficult situation down here in the south. OK, someone is saying, and even though you've, you've never kept this uh, a secret, uh, is Michael Collins only saying this because he's got two brothers who own a, a pub? What about the 200 in Dungarvan that got the vaccine from being in, inside in uh, a pub? You've always declared that your brothers have an interest uh, in... Absolutely, yeah. 100%. And, yeah. and the people that were in Dungarvan, I can assure you, were probably illegally inside the pub that's what I'm trying to prevent here my two brothers one is a pub in Bantry he can't open he hasn't opened for over 400 days my brother in Bandon can't open because they don't have space outside or inside the back they haven't opened in 400 days I'm, I'm talking on behalf of yes of them and I'm pro, quite proud to do so but I'm also talking on behalf of every restaurant owner and every other pub owner that's in the same situation there's three and a half thousand so there are only two so there's 3,998 I'm talking on behalf of also okay, and I know yesterday the, the, Sun, the Sun newspaper had a report where they said to a reporter up north they couldn't get over the number of people speaking to hotels and B&Bs they were saying they're 80 to 90% full from people coming from the south so lots of people are heading north the, the, I mean this is obvious you know I, can, I was talking to bus operators bus operators are, 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 are booked out taking people to the north that's their uh, that's, that's, that's what they're saying to me and I can only say what's been told to me I know it from talking to people there, there's no intention of uh, t- t- taking time out down south it's straight to the north because I know things are hoping Belfast is booming absolutely on fire with, with, with people uh, you can, I'm finding it very difficult to get accommodation uh, for my cataract patients when they're going up there because the hotels are telling me sorry we're packed we're packed 
we're packed and I know why with people on holidays okay and I can can see texts coming in people saying I'm going north uh, for my vacation this year okay Michael I know you've got to get get you're speaking in the doll in a couple of minutes so I'll let you go thank you for that and thanks for joining us that is uh, West Cork Independent uh, Doll Deputy Michael Collins hi I am going up north for my for my vacation was planning on going to Killarney but not now we'll be staying for uh, a week Um, also could you find out is the doll bar open or are they outside as well well they're not in the doll at the moment they're still in the convention centre so we take it that there's there's nobody the, the, the offices are open but the doll bar I'm assuming is well closed but I'll, I'll get it doubly checked but I'm assuming because they're not doing business inside in the doll there's, there's very few people in there 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from Motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. If you've recently been to Kinsale, you may have seen the wonderful large-scale mural celebrating the legendary pirate Anne Bonny on the iconic stony steps in the town. The work has been commissioned by Cork County Council and joining me with more on this is the Chair of Banding Kinsale Municipal District and that's Councillor Kevin Murphy. Uh, good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very well. Are you really pleased with the way this mural has turned out? I am, and um, we it, it's not it's not all uh, supporting, but uh, the vast portion of people have been very positive about the new uh, mural and the painting of the of the steps and also the historical side of it as well. And people have been very supportive of that in fairness. There are some people who feel it is not appropriate for Kinsale because of its heritage area and because there's been a long history of, of um, you know, of people who have been left out and have not been put in. And look, they feel it's inappropriate in some cases, but the vast portion of people are very supportive. Very supportive. Okay, for, for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about Anne Bonny, who she was and the incredible life that she led. Yeah, she led a very, very, um, I suppose, a very unique life as such because from the very beginning she was born in, in, um, in the old head of Kinsale and she was born in, in 1698. Her father was a, a, man, a man called William Cormac and William Cormac was a, was a lawyer or in actual fact some kind of a, a legal administrator anyway. Um, and how she came about was in actual fact this, uh, her father himself had a major affair with the housekeeper on board, and um, the mother was, uh, this lady was called Mary Brennan, and she, when she had the affair, um, effectively, when she had that affair, the wife, his wife, William, William Carmack's wife, left. Um, and so, um, when this Anne Bonnie was, was Anne Bonnie, she was Anne, she'd be Anne Carmack, really and truly, that was the yeah, wrong ba- maiden ba- Bonnie was her married name. When he was her first married name, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they they so left Kinsale. They left Kinsale and went out to um out to uh, South Carolina in a place called Charlestown. And Charlestown that time was Charles C H A R L E S T O W N E Y. Okay. No, um, so so Carolina was a place of of residence until she grew up into um into um a teenager, and I I'm told um reliably that her father had. A suitor for her. A suitor would be would be um, his his intrusion into a into a private life, and she refused point blank to get involved with this particular um, suitor. The arranged so marriage. She, she was she was a bit of a re- she was a bit of a rebel. 
She was a major rebel. <laughs> yeah, and there's a bit of there's a bit of rebel in every one of us as I can tell you. <laughs> so that's no surprise. However, she then um decided to marry for love and she married this this fellow called James Bunny. Okay. Yeah. And they both went off to the Bahamas and became she she really became a, a poor queen. And in actual fact, that she was, uh, as I say, re- rebels and everything. Everything was was involved here because at the at the beginning, um, of course, it was very very unusual to have to have a lady or a girl or a woman on board any ship at that stage in in seventeen hundred seventeen hundred something, because they felt it was very bad look. And, and course, they were very she, they were very superstitious. And they were awful superstitious. And the fact, I think that went back to several years before that, when mainly when ladies were involved in the in the, um, in the area of, of marine, uh, there were several accidents occurred, and they felt that all the accidents occurred because of the the suspicion that the women brought bad luck to to, uh, to be on that board and such, which is quoting crap. But however, um, effectively, Jim Jim and herself uh, has spent some years together. But eventually, she she once again wanted to move on, and she wanted to divorce him. And he refused point blank to divorce him. But she split anyway. And she made up with this guy called Calico uh, Jack Rackman, and he was a pirate as well. But they both turned out they captured the ship um, in the in the seventeen hundreds, and they captured the ship, and they went they went out to the Caribbean, and here the this idea of pirating started off. And, and she she dressed up as a she disguised herself as a man. She just that was part of the part of the part of the, the, the process as well. That to make sure that the that the the the, the was a bad look kind of a woman would be lifted for a while because people thought she was a man. But effectively she made up with this other girl called Mary Reed. And Mary Reed was another lady who had dressed up as a man as well, but it said to open, no Mary Reed and uh, was was the two of them together sought a real pirating and they they plundered many, many ships in the locality and ended up with a hell of a lot of, of um of treasures in in their in their in their old goings. And effectively, eventually, um the the, the good news started up of course obviously uh, they knew her quite well and eventually she got captured. The boat was was impounded the boat was 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 was, was uh, impersonated inside and once again the, the the troops that were there captured all the tr- crew, brought them back to shore and every one of the crew bear the two women, I think the vast portion of them were hanged um, after a court case because of the fact they were pirating and of course obviously that was outrageous at the time. And uh, effectively these two ladies anyway once again were probably unlucky, they were jailed for certain, but the two of them pleaded they were both pregnant and they were both expecting babies. And whether it was true or not, we don't even know, but seemingly it is true about the certainty about and Bonnie. She was expecting a baby, and uh, she produced a baby at, at some stage, some some time after that. Um, and effectively, she got off. And I think her her her, her sister, um, we say her sister, Lady uh, Mary Reed, died about a year after she was captured, and uh, and she that was that was the end of her. But Anne Bonnie went on, and she definitely had. I think she had eight children after that, as far as I know, yeah. uh, out of capture. And, so I don't, and then the her end, the end. I know I was trying to do some research on her. I thought it was very funny. The day that the the ship got captured uh, was uh, yep. the reason it got captured was was most of the pirates on board put up little resistance because many of them were too drunk to fight. But anyway, that's an, another story. That's <laughs> a, there was a great movie. There's a great movie in this, <laughs> but we don't yeah. know. We we don't know for sure how she died or the end of her life. There doesn't seem to be much well, information. 
We don't, but she died at the age of 85. So she do, she ah, was born in, yeah. in... Yeah. So she died in natural causes, I presume. She was born in, in 1698 and died in 1782. Okay. So she had a long, a long, long, fruitful life, we'll call it, uh, in very... Intriguing life, and um, she had eight children to back her up, of course, obviously, and um, and we don't know whether whether it was a uh, calico Jack uh, Rackman Rackman was there, whether father of the children, we don't even know that either. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she came from the beautiful old yeah. head of Kinsale, and now she's been uh, commemorated. Who came up with the idea for the mural on the stony steps? Well, her research was done by Cormac Fitzgerald and another lady as well, and uh, they they read into detail, bring up, uh, try to find somebody of. Of uh, of merit, or so find somebody which uh, would have a historical background and make it the Kinsale town more historical than ever. And they came up with this idea of this Anne Bonny. Um, most of us never heard of her. Well, we we always knew there was Anne Bonny a pirate. We always knew yeah. that. But, but this is an in-depth investigation of that, and fair play for them. They came up with this idea that they should honour in Kinsale because obviously the old head is only a short distance from Kinsale, um, and uh, we don't know. I, I don't know of any. Um, historical section over there in the old head where she lived or was there any remnants of a house or where I don't know or if there's, but, uh, any, if there's any long distance um, ancestors still there any relations we don't know, that, don't know. That's, that's something we don't know yeah. and um, as well as that like the 1698 so you can imagine oh, this, it's 400 and year 400 yeah nine, yeah records and that are not there like, you know? yeah so and of course the stony steps are a very popular spot for photographers it is and it's really I think one of the people who were unhappy with Anne Bonny's, um, we say mule group there and history, was that they, they felt that a lot of the people out there felt themselves that the, 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 the um, Mercy nuns in Kinsale wore a pet up and down the stony steps taking food to people and really and truly helping out all those who were really starving at that time. And it, it, seemed, to, it seemed to them as if uh, the appropriateness of this would be uh, the fact that um, that they were never honoured in relation to this kind of historical um, historical the, the work that they had done, and they did immense work in Kinsale, and of course they should be honoured. No, they are well known in Kinsale, and they've gone away Kinsale at the stage, but having said that, people did feel that uh, they should be honoured as well. But you listen, and Kevin, no, no matter who you select and who gets yeah. picked to be represented, represented, there'll always be some people who... There's always yeah, somebody... There, there'll always be some people who, who are not happy. As, as well as... As, as well as whole historical side of it, I forgot to mention as well, um, Patricia, that that in at one stage along the line she was so she's a, a, a naval lady. She had a massive fight before she was captured. Number one, but before that, seemingly there was a man. Uh, there was some gentleman around. Uh, did his utmost to rape her at some stage along the line, wow. and she kicked him so she kicked him so hard that he was hospitalised and almost died as a result of it. Of a result of the beating she gave him, so she was she was she was a tough, tough lady. She was a, she was a fiery she woman. Was, um, Chris, the uh, skipper in from Oi says, Patricia, that's a lovely pirate story. Sailors were uh, were always very suspicious of a woman on board a ship. It was considered unlucky. But a semi-naked sculpture of a woman placed at the front of many ships was was put there to calm the storms. Yeah, and you're right. You will see that on many older uh, ships. Thank you for that, um, uh, Chris and Kevin. Just finally, how is Kinsale doing? Has the tourism season taken off? Kinsale is, is absolutely booming, and and we are overjoyed with the um with the with the numbers that are coming in there. It's it's it is 
very, very healthy looking at the moment, thanks for the God, at some stage. Now, I was in West Cork recently, um, and I felt that it, that is also doing quite well in the, in the scenic spots, of course. But Kinsale itself uh, is doing very, very well. And we're hoping against hope, but just put in the plug for Bendon as well, because Bendon Town itself has now been uh, considered as uh, one of the towns which is going to um, feel, which uh, has felt over the years, very serious problems from flood relief and from and from sewer systems and that's all done and dusted now and shortly uh, uh, Bendon will take off big time too I know that quite well it's very very busy as well now but Kinsale is absolutely booming Okay uh, someone says John from Butterman says Patricia I've been listening to your show on the story of the female pirate and Bonnie very interesting for anybody out there that likes that kind of stuff there was a show on TV called Black Sails and all those pirates were depicted in it including Anne Bonnie Jack Rackham that's obviously her husband Blackbeard and many more Uh, John says it was a very very good show if people want to take a look out uh, for that it's called Black uh, Sales so just and just back on just on the tourism I'm I'm assuming Kevin disappointment that the indoor hospitality not starting next Monday I, I really think it's 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 a pity, and I, I I'm, I'm really concerned enough about the the kind of a view they came up with as such. Um, there's 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 a, there's a total confusion as such because so many people that are that, are, uh, that have their full vaccine all those of that are totally going anywhere. But there's a possibility that some people inside the hotels or restaurants or whatever be that they are not um, vaccinated, and you're mixing three people with with who have and who have not been vaccinated. I think, look, there are several mistakes made over the recent past, and this one in particular. They should open up the place, for God's sake, and make it make it either yes or no, because of the fact that, like, when it mixed up and confusion starts like that, it only leads to trouble as well. And so I certainly would say that the, the government has made a major mistake in not opening up that particular hospitality in a proper, unconfused and, 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 and a less chaotic area. Because it is, it is without a doubt, it is very, very serious at the moment to see people inside. Some have full vaccination, more have none, and they can do it together. And that's wrong. And that's wrong. Okay, so all right. Well, yeah, and there's, there's certainly, if you read, listen to Tony Hoolan and Effort, they're, they're not for changing, and the government appear to be very much siding with Neffet on all of these. Okay, we can leave it there, Kevin. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. And when I mentioned earlier, bye-bye, when I mentioned earlier about Anne Bonny and Mark was saying, Billy the Kid, that his name was William Bonny. And we were saying, could they be related by marriage? Because we know Anne Bonny, it was her married name. Uh, William in Dunmanway says, William H. Bonny with an alias name, Billy, it was an alias name for Billy the Kid. So he couldn't be related to the pirate Anne Bonny. It was a made up name for Billy the Kid. Okay, thank you for that. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And Mark has text following my interview with Councillor Kevin Murphy about Anne Bonny, the pirate who was born in the old head of Kinsale and been remembered now with his mural on the stony steps in Kinsale. Mark says, Hi Patricia, with all of the important historical figures in our history, Kinsale Town have chosen to honour a pirate. What is a pirate? A thief and a murderer. They will be the equivalent of erecting a statue to a member of the Kinahan gang in a couple of hundred years' time. Time seems to make us all misty-eyed and we forget the barbaric cruelty that these people were responsible for. Kind regards, that's Mark. That's yeah, you've the, you've, you've a point there, and I'm assuming that's probably one of the reasons that Councillor Kevin Murphy said not everybody has agreed to this mural 
of remembering Anne Bonny. It's a stunning piece, the piece itself. But yeah, let's not forget the cruelty and the murder and the thievery that was involved in, in piracy. Yeah. It's a very, very valid point. Thank you for that. And then there's a couple of people on about vaccines. Oh, yeah, before, yeah, there is a couple of people on about vaccines. I'll get to that one in a minute, but I just want to give this a shout out on behalf of Anne to say, Hi, Patricia. Could you put a shout out this morning to see if any of your listeners listening who are in their early 60s, i.e. I'm 63, waiting on the second dose of AstraZeneca. I can't understand why the HSE officials are keep saying that the older people are fully vaccinated. There's going to be a huge number of us in our 60s getting COVID and we are so vulnerable. All the attention seems to be going on younger people. I am so mad, says uh, Anne. So how many people in, and, and I don't know where Anne is texting us from because it does seem to depend on where you are because certainly we were hearing last week that there was people in their 30s who were getting called to vaccination centres in West Cork but then the people in their 30s that were getting called were getting called for a different type of vaccine they were getting called for a Pfizer jab whereas the people in their 60s are waiting on the AstraZeneca I know they're working through you're not on your own Anne in waiting for your second uh, jab I was reading before I came on air this morning that there's only 43% of people in their 60s who've been fully vaccinated we're not even halfway there on those between 60 and uh, 69 and then if you look at people in their 50s 78% of people in their 50s are fully vaccinated they've had both of their jabs and yet only 43% in their 60s. Now the HSC HSC again only yesterday continuing to pledge that all those people in their 60s will be offered a second jab by the middle of July. The 19th of July was initially the date that Paul Reid gave gave, saying that everyone in their 60s will have their second jab. So you have another couple of weeks it is looking like uh, to wait for that. And then if you go down even into the 40s, 28% of people in their 40s are fully vaccinated at this stage so that's it's particularly annoying for the people in their 60s who are waiting on and and what we're hearing about the Delta variant and we're hearing that it's affecting people who are not vaccinated and and people who've only had their first jab and also something else that I heard over the last few days people who did get AstraZeneca were told after four weeks while they were waiting for their second jab four weeks after their first jab they were deemed fully vaccinated but then that was before the Delta variant arrived and suddenly they realised that the Delta variant was a much more infectious variant and suddenly now the people who got AstraZeneca are told no you're not protected against the Delta variant until you've had your second dose so that's just an added layer of worry I think to people in their 60s so Anne all I can say to you is you're not on your own but we'll put the shout out anyone 63 or 63 year olds starting to at least get a date for when they're going to get their second jab the overall figures by the way on vaccination 4.17 million doses of the vaccine have been administered uh, to date. 67% of the population have received one vaccine and we're now at 45% who are fully vaccinated. So we're nearly halfway there on the numbers who are fully vaccinated but that's shouting out those figures is no good to people like Anne desperately waiting and wanting to get their second jab and then a different Anne sends in an email saying that the Delta variant is in the UK and it's been in the UK now for over a month where NIAC 
and Nefet. Where were Nyack, Nefet and all of their associates? Were they asleep? Surely we all knew at this stage that the Delta variant would become the major variant here too. They lost a month by doing nothing. What they could have done was as follows. A. Count all of the vaccines they had in their stock. Not talking about what might come in, but rather what is actually in at the moment. Surely it was precious time lost storing all of the unused AstraZeneca. They should have been getting it into people's arms. They could have ensured the over 60s were least doubly vaccinated. Somehow now they say they'll be fine by the 19th of July. Only for the EU directive on travel it might be the case that they mightn't have made their minds up about AstraZeneca for another 10 weeks. The solution ASAP, open up the vaccine centres 24-7, have walk-in vaccine centres for jabs. Surely the pharmacies are ready to roll if they were allowed. What is the delay? The HSC should be made, get the boot in and work faster. In the UK People who were due to get their second visor in August are now able to do a walk-in and go into any of their vaccination centres in June. Too much talk here and not enough action. For goodness sake, we've only a few million to get sorted out on the whole of Ireland if they managed 150k per day of vaccinations. There will be 1.5 million in a very short time. They don't need computers to figure this all out, surely. If they, they added the COVID details to the worldwide yellow travel card for those who have it, would that not be a more efficient job? That's about the COVID passport that kicked in uh, yesterday. Yeah, it, it is all very frustrating, particularly the Delta variant, because we knew it was coming. But now they're saying, well, the World Health Organization is saying that the Delta variant is a surge right across Europe. It's not just in Ireland. I think in the HSE's defence, though, with the vaccines, they're getting them out as quickly as they can. There isn't a lot of storage. OK, there has been storage of the AstraZeneca, but that's because AstraZeneca was only allowed to people over 50s. Now, that's changed today. So it'll be interesting to see from next Monday. They're saying there now is going to be a rollout to the 18 to 34 year olds. So let's see how many of those get vaccinated. But thank you for your email to Patricia at C103.ie from Anne. I really can sense you your frustration. And then Chris is on about the Holy Communions and the confirmations being uh, cancelled. And before I get to uh, Chris's uh, piece, this the government's decision to order the deferral of baptisms, First Holy Communions and confirmations was carried out in a grossly disrespectful and almost cavalier manager the manner. That was a quote from the Archbishop Eamon Martin. He said it was very disrespectful the way it was done. He said a journalist tweeting that the Tonishta Leo Varadka has just when asked about communities and confirmation said, oh they're off and that's how we were told within the church following two days of confusion of course because then everybody was going on to gov.ie and there was no mention of communions and confirmations. The government finally then had to post a notice up on the website yesterday morning stating that the religious ceremonies baptisms, communions and confirmations should not take place at this time. Ministers are not especially concerned about the public health risk posed by the ceremonies. They're saying what happens inside the church is fine but they say their big concerns and their big worries are the post ceremonies, the house parties and that's going to fuel the spread of the virus and that's why they've asked the church to cancel all of the ceremonies but Archbishop uh, Martin said there was a lot of frustration he said there was deep disappointment and he said there's even anger in the the wake of the announcement and he pointed out that families 
priests and teachers have all put in a huge amount of time, adding that the evidence from Northern Ireland shows that First Holy Communion and confirmation ceremonies could be held without public health consequences. And despite the anger, though, about the government's almost cavalier approach, the Catholic Church would encourage parishes to obey the state rules. He said we have to be respectful of it. So all of the bishops then made contact with all of the different parishes and told them to uh, cancel their ceremonies. And I don't know. There was, at one stage, it looked like there would be a few rebel priests who would decide, well, I'm going ahead uh, regardless. And I don't know if any have actually done that. From what I can gather, certainly yesterday, all I was hearing and all I was seeing on social media was the amount of communions and confirmations that have been cancelled. And so many of them were due to be held this month in the month of July. Well, Christy is commenting on that, says Patricia, I think it's a disgrace that the church is not going ahead with the First Holy Communions, confirmations and baptisms for the sake of the children. They can and could do it in a very safe manner. Whatever partying after these ceremonies, it's nothing to do with the church. The church has yet again failed to show leadership. They've already allowed the government to make public mass illegal. And we thought Cromwell was bad. We now have our own Cromwell in government. At least in Cromwellian times, the church leaders and the people defied Cromwell under the threat of uh, death and Christie. And you're not on your own. There's so many people. I mean, you know, the Archbishop himself said there's so much disappointment, but there's also so much anger. But then I heard a really interesting story yesterday from a friend of mine who I was talking to her on the phone and she said that her neighbour, she'd met her neighbour and her neighbour was packing up the car and she said, oh, you're going away on a staycation. And she said, no, I'm going up to my daughter's house up the country. My grandson's confirmation is on Saturday. And she, my friend said, but sure, hasn't that all been cancelled? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cancelled. But the party is going ahead because she said, we're all travelling. People, to, the aunts and the uncles, the cousins, the caterer is already booked. The food is arranged. There's a bouncy castle booked for the back garden. And my friend said, and how many are going to be there? And she said, oh, it's not going to be too many. She said, between 30 and 35 family members were going to attend. So she said, we're having the party regardless. And off she zoomed in her car to go to her grandson's confirmation party. They were having the party without the actual ceremony taking place. And I know John Paul had Father Michael Toomey on from Waterford and Lismore. They, he's the priest in Ardfinan, isn't he? In, in Tipperary. And he, because there was a number of communions and confirmations scheduled for parishes in South Tipperary across next week and across the week after and how I know that my son is a photographer and he was booked for Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday of next week and Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday of the following week schools had split up all the numbers so that they could get more people into the church and keep keep to the 50 and he was he does the photography inside in the church for the community the confirmation so they've obviously all been cancelled but even Father Toomey was saying yesterday that he's heard of more people because the parties are organised so they're going ahead so I don't know how many of those parties are going to go ahead and is it should they have allowed the ceremonies to go to go on or not but just but huge disappointment for families who have everything ready particularly I think for the little girls and the Holy Communion and the dresses and I know it's, it should be much more than the dresses but we all know ourselves those of us that made our first Holy Communion you all remember the excitement of getting dressed up in all the white uh, finery and all of the work and the effort that goes in from the school's point of view and that's what Archbishop Eamon Martin said so much work has gone in by families by priests and by teachers and by the children themselves and now boom 
rug has been pulled and they've been cancelled yet again. And for a lot of those children whose communions and confirmations were scheduled for July, that's not the first time they've been cancelled. We still have children from last year, the class of 2020, who still haven't made their communion. I don't know if they're still outstanding confirmations, but there definitely is still outstanding First Holy Communions from last year's uh, cohort all over the country. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. The Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, they're looking for a chef to party while a general labourer is wanted for McCroom. An experienced labourer is wanted to work on stonework, that's sand blasting, etc. That's in the Cork area. And a part time 3D designer is required for the Bandon area. It's to work from home. You need to have some experience in the construction industry. That would be desirable. And some experience in SketchUp is also required. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This week saw the publication of the annual report of the Mental Health Commission and it revealed that some of the most serious and persistent weaknesses of the country's mental health system has been critically exposed by the COVID-19 pandemic. To discuss the annual report I'm joined by John Saunders who is Chairperson of the Mental Health Commission. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Chair. And you, you? Uh, you're very welcome to the program. Firstly, did the pandemic affect the way you, with the Commission, conduct your work? Yes, uh, uh, thankfully, and, and we're very proud to say that we managed to to complete our work uh, through 2020 despite the uh, pandemic. But there was obvious, uh, obviously, changes. For example, we had to uh, change the way we. Uh, conducted our inspections. Uh, we moved from announced, sorry, unannounced to announced inspections because we did realise that the services were under extreme pressure and we wanted to complete the work in the, in the best way possible. Uh, we also managed, uh, despite all of the issues, to, to develop and deliver our, our tribunals, which are the, uh, the tribunals to review uh, uh, in, uh, involuntary detention for every individual. They were com- conducted remotely but they were conducted, and that was a major achievement despite the uh, uh, issues around the pandemic. And did they work well remotely, John? Yes, they were difficult for everybody. Uh, the, the, the difficult for the patient, for the family members, difficult for the staff and for the members of the tribunal because, like all of us, we were getting used to, to, to being online and to using Zoom and various systems like that. But I think as time went on, uh, people have acclimatised to them. Mm. Uh, pe- some people do prefer, and I think everyone does obviously prefer in an important issue like a tribunal hearing face-to-face is much better and we look forward to getting back to that as fast as we can but we have to obviously abide by the, the rules that are in place at any time. Okay, to look at uh, some of the issues addressed <coughs> in the report I mean the report states that one of the most alarming aspects was the number of people detained against their will at inpatient centres. Talk to me about your yeah. concerns around that. Yeah and um, People can be in mental health services either voluntarily, which means they agree to go in, obviously, and, and the vast majority of people in this country, about 90% uh, of, of the total people who use residential services, are there voluntarily. 
there's uh, unfortunately about 10% who are detained under the Mental Health Act. This means that they uh, are asked, forced to enter a service against their will because they don't want to or they're not able to make a decision or for whatever reason. And this this is a process that's, you know, it's a last resort process. We we don't like it. And, and uh, it's a difficult process for family members and for individuals. And uh, we much prefer a system whereby a person is, is uh, has agreed uh, after discussion to enter service for, for treatment. However, it does happen. And there's very strict rules and guidelines and regulations around how that happens. And one of the issues that we have highlighted this year was that a significant number, about one-third of those people who were admitted involuntarily uh, were assisted by Gardaí. In other words, Garda members were called to the household to support the admission, uh, obviously against the person's will. That, again, is something that is very unsatisfactory. And, in fact, the, 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 the Mental Health Act and the HSE have in place a system called the Authorised Officer. These are people who are mental health professionals, who should be coming to help the person and the family to make the assisted admission uh, or the involuntary admission. Uh, they're, they're professionals and they're trained and they're able to do it. I think the issue for us is that there's not sufficient people in place as authorised officers. So often when you look for one, you don't have one at, at the time that you need it. And then as a last resort, what happens is that the guardian are called. And I have to say that, the, the, I mean, the Gardaí, they're, they're, first of all, they're law enforcement agents. They're not health professionals, and they shouldn't be uh, involved in a process which uh, should be rightly done by mental health Absolutely. professionals. Absolutely. And also well, thinking about yeah. it, John, it must be very frightening for the person Absolutely. who's already struggling with their mental health for the Gardaí to turn up. Absolutely. I mean, none of us would like the Gardaí to arrive at our home uh, for whatever reason. Uh, the presence of a, a, a marked car, people in uniform. It's all very, very um, you know, threatening and very, very difficult, hostile. And it sometimes can make a situation worse. Now, I have to say, in my experience, and certainly the experience of, of, of uh, mental health services, the vast amount of Garda interventions are done very sensitively. Garda have some training. They understand what they're doing. And they often work in a very a collegiate way with families, with other people, to make sure that something, uh, that the process is done with a minimum of hostility and, well and, and force. Well done. So that's I think that, that's, I mean, that's fair enough. And that's good to point out. Yeah. Now, you also looked yeah. at individual care plans. Now, individual care plans, so important for a person's recovery. Does the standard of individual care plans vary from centre to centre? Yeah, the, the issue is there is variation, of course, but there is also a, an acceptable level of care planning that we are looking for. And at the moment, about two-thirds of the services that we inspect have uh, care plans in place, which obviously means that there's a, a remaining one-third that don't have them. And I think that's very unsatisfactory because it, the care plan is, is essentially the, the roadmap for people to recover and to leave the centre as soon as possible. And a care plan should be an agreed plan with all the professionals involved and with the individual and their family members where, where appropriate. It's not in place and it's really, it's a bit like, you know, going into a general hospital for treatment and no one really knowing what the clear, the clear plan of action is around your, your medicine or your surgery or whatever. It's not acceptable in mental health and I think we do need to put greater effort on making sure that there's a, a, an informed care plan which has started on day one and which has to, as the ultimate outcome, recovery and discharge. 
And there are still ongoing issues with the physical buildings of some of our mental health centres. Yeah, yeah, we, we have gladly uh, reduced significantly all of the very large old institutions where hundreds of people lived. We, we now have a, a, what are called approved centres or small mental health centres attached to general hospitals. Now, you have to remember many of those are about 40, 50 years old now and they are suffered from wear and tear. And I think in, in the 21st century, we've realised that they really, many of them are not fit for purpose, and they, knew, they do need to be uh, renovated or replaced. Uh, there's obvious problems in terms of physical layout, uh, hygiene issues, privacy issues, space, and so on. And often these, these physical issues, these, these architectural issues, they often contribute to difficulties in providing types of care, Sometimes they contribute to difficult behaviour. So I think it's, a, it's an issue that we need to address, uh, not just from the point of view of where people live, but from the point of view of managing people who are very vulnerable and in, who present with very difficult situations and difficult behaviours from time to time. And were residents, John, very affected by the COVID restrictions? I think so. I mean, like everybody else who, were in, who was in residential care, there was uh, restrictions on visits. There was restrictions on movement outside of the centre, so people were essentially grounded uh, for very long periods of time. And this, I think, caused a huge amount of anxiety, not just for individuals who were clients or patients, but also for, for staff members who were providing support. I think it's, we have to, again, take our hats off to the, the frontline staff who provided a huge amount of, of support to, to manage that situation at its worst. But the other thing that happened, of course, is that many of the community care and daycare and hospital day hospital services were reduced mm. or stopped for periods of time. And this, I think, aggravated the situation where you had people who were very vulnerable and perhaps living on the margins sometimes were really, really uh, uh, pressurised by, by COVID and all of the experiences of COVID and the restrictions, and, and that made life very difficult for people. And just looking down through some of the stats uh, from the report, John, the one that really stood out for me and worrying to see 27 admissions of children and young people to adult units. Yep. We simply don't have yep. enough child and adolescent beds nationwide. I mean, I think there's only 16 here in Cork. That's right, absolutely. And this has been a persistent problem for, for, for us, six, seven years now for the Commission. I have to say uh, there's been a gradual uh, uh, but very slow reduction in, in the number of admissions to adult units. But we keep saying the same message that, you know, admitting a child to an adult unit is not appropriate in terms of the therapeutic environment. It's frightening. It can be aggravating. It, 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 it may not often make, make his, his or her recovery uh, happen. Uh, thankfully, some of those admissions are very, very short and the person is immediately transferred into a child, an adolescent unit, uh, Sometimes I think uh, the, the, the person is discharged very quickly. And often I think the reason why it happens is that because clinicians are left with no choice and they have to make a safe decision mm-hmm. uh, for, for, mm-hmm. for a child. And, and I suppose that's the worst possible, or, sorry, the best of the, of the worst possible choices that they have at the time. But clearly you're right, we do need more access. We need to have access 24-7 in many places. We need to be able to anticipate those crises that come uh, with, with child and adolescent services. Okay, finally then, John, has the pandemic really shown that we need a more modern and well-staffed mental health service? Yeah, I think what's happened is that we, we did know the Commission and, and the service itself knows that it needs to improve in many areas, and we've outlined those year on year on year. 
what what the uh, pandemic did was brought to very sharp relief these issues and brought to the surface what many people might not have realised was there the, the need for uh, more investment, the need for uh, restructuring, the need for good governance, good management systems to make sure that the people we're serving get the best possible service. Okay, we'll continue. Good luck with the work of the Mental Health Commission, John, and thanks for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you. Good morning to you. John Saunders there, Chairperson of the Mental Health Commission. 1850 333 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103. 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now we're continuing today with our Friday summer feature where we give you suggestions of where you can go on a family day out or an attraction you might want to make part of your staycation. Today we're taking a look at Ireland's first summer tubing park. It's at Smuggler's Cove overlooking beautiful Ross Carberry and owner Jeff Witcherly uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Jeff. Good morning, Patricia. Now, I have to say, I have seen the videos of this and it looks like so much fun. Can you describe to us what happens at a tubing park? Okay, well, I suppose, look, as you rightly said there, this is Ireland's uh, first tubing park. Um, it's, it's it's basically for the world, like tobogganing, if people have known that, skiing holidays, you're sitting in a round tube and you're literally, gravity takes you down a hill, and it's all about having fun, fun, and loads of fun. And it's it's suitable for all ages, and that's the beauty of everything we do in Sumter's Cove. It's for young and old. Um, and as long as families are having a good time, we're really happy. And do you get up to some great speeds when you're tubing down? Yeah, so we've, we've four different rooms, Patricia. Uh, there's a, a kind of, a, as it's become known, a kind of a, a, a nice lazy run on the left-hand side. There's, it, it, there's a parabolic turn net. It, it's very easy going. It's suitable, suitable for everyone. Um, there's two ones in the middle that are, very, are identical. They're all about speed. They're straight down. And what you, <laughs> what you find is people start racing each other on those, and yeah. it's actually great crack. And obviously the one that everyone wants to do is, is the, the big jump into the airbag. And that really is all about speed and just getting as much air as you can before you hit the bag. And it, it is a complete adrenaline rush. Yeah, you kind of take off at the end, isn't it? And then you land on this fantastic big airbag. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge uh, 15 metre by 9 metre uh, air mattress. Uh, it's a, a specialised mattress um, for skiing predominantly. And so what you do is you come down the ramp and you, you take off the kicker and it's up into the air and you land safely into this bag. But you have a feeling of, you know, all sorts of feelings. You hear people saying, oh, I, I didn't think I was, going, I was going to hit the bag. And <laughs> their stomach starts jumping in the air. But it's just all about having fun. Do you have to be good with heights? Uh, not, not really good no. at heights. Not really good at heights. It, do, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, I, the, the one thing I've noticed people last year are, are pushing themselves outside their comfort zone a bit. Yeah. Um, because it, it is a bit daunting when you are looking up at the top, looking down, and you're thinking, oh my God, like I'm gonna, I need to land down there. But it's people are doing it, and once they've done once, they love it. Yeah, I imagine close your eyes on the first one. There's a lot of that, and there's a lot of screaming, <laughs> and there's a lot of giving out. <laughs> That's all part of the fun. So, <laughs> and like, what, what we see is like the minimum age allowed on the tubing park is, is eight years of age. Okay. But there's no maximum age. So this is brilliant for all families if they want to go on with their kids, take part in activity, 
And that's the big thing I, I, I feel, especially since COVID hit. Families want to be out doing things together. Yeah. Um, or Adventure Calls is usually popular with families. The mazes are usually popular. And they're all people, all, all activities that people can do with a family together. Or groups, or couples, or whatever. Can you have two people sitting on the tube? Yes, in the tube, in the centre, you can have two people sitting in the tube together. Yeah. In, with, on wet days, we don't allow it for safety. On dry days, you can. Just so to hang on again, to someone. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a double tube. So Is that people, Yeah. So That's two what I'm looking for. Together <laughs> and, and, and they love it. Okay. Um, and, and, it's not, and it's not just tubing that you offer at Smuggler's Grove. Yeah, so we have a, an eighteen-hole pirate-themed adventure golf course that we that, that's there a good few years now, eight or nine years. We have a, a timber maze and we have a corn maze, and now we have the tubing and we have a cafe. So we, we have a lot going on. We, we try and cater for people as long as possible in the day. You know, some people just come for the tubing or for the golf, but most people do multiple activities, especially those that are on holiday. Can I ask how did you come up with the idea for the tubing park? Um, just just kind of saw it a couple of years ago. Uh, I I do I I like to to go skiing and I, and I've seen something similar before when I was skiing. And a couple of years ago, as a family, we, we were in Italy and we saw this. And my kids are quite small and and they loved it. And I said, look, this might work. And sure, next thing you know, you're building one. So it's it's you just go with it, don't you? Listen, absolutely. I think, and, and I'd suggest to anybody uh, go on to uh, Smuggler's Cove, go on to your website just to watch the videos because it's it's fantastic. It really, really makes the minute I saw it, I'm going there. I'm absolutely going there now. You're you're open for this season already. Yeah. How's oh, yeah. how's it going? The season is going brilliant. Great. Um, we we we've had a super June. Uh, the tubing we opened in May, and the tubing back up in the middle of May. We've had a super, since it's opened, uh, we're blown away by uh, the positivity of everyone that's coming and they're loving it. And I, and again, maybe maybe this is a plus out of COVID. People want to be outdoors and having fun. Mm. And uh, we're definitely seeing a lo- loads of that. The bookings for July and August going forward look really, really good. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 we're really happy. I, I, COVID, have you restrictions? Do you have to have restrictions in place? Yes, like everywhere, else, we ha- we, ha- we have to we have to work within the restrictions, and that that is that is fine. Also, so we we have restricted numbers on the crazy golf course. Uh, we have restricted numbers on the tubing park. We we stick to those numbers very strong. We've all the usual sanitary stations, clean downs, all this is going on. Okay, so obviously, because with numbers and you need to know the numbers are turning up every day. I take it is it all bookings. No, uh, the uh, tubing park is is, is all that we have to really book online, um, and and currently that's that's booking up about three or four days ahead of itself. Okay. So, so uh, we we do have people turning up on the day, uh, thinking that they that it's possible to get on, but it's it's generally always booked up on the day. Okay, so if you um, know the day you're going, book it. Just get online yeah, and book so it. If, if you go to smugglerscove.ie, there's a, an online booking system. You can pick your time, you can put suits you, and everything is there. The Adventure Golf and the Mazes, you can just turn up for on the day, and, okay. and you, you can pay and play. If, if it is busy, we, we have a waiting system in place, and we manage that. Uh, but generally, we can get people moving within 20 minutes. Like we we had a glorious week weather-wise. Anyone who was on a staycation this week was, was truly blessed. I, I mean, I take it a week, like you must have had a very busy week this week. It's very busy. Now, in fairness, 
consistent. Like I, th- I think West Cork really has taken a huge step up in, the, in this year and last year in in people's uh, travel plans, and uh, you can really st- start to see the numbers starting to, to float around West Cork now. But this past week has been glorious. So you, you could be in any country in Europe. Yeah. Uh, look, hopefully we'll have a summer like this again. And you said you've a, you've a cafe as well, so people can make yeah. their day out and have have something to eat as well. Exactly, yeah. So so we 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 do the pizzas and crepes and waffles and chips. So like like snacky food. Okay. Uh, somebody's saying, where is Smuggler's Cove? You're. I I said in the introduction, you're 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 overlooking Ross Garbery. Do, do you head to Ross Garbery? Yeah. So when you when you uh, come into Ross Garbery, you would. You'll pass the Celtic Ross Hotel on your right, and we're, we're, we're the third left after that. So it's well signposted. So we, we are literally maybe three, two, three minutes drive outside Ross Carberry. Um, we're up on the hill on the left, and we have the most spectacular view out to the galley head lighthouse from there. So it's, uh, so it's a really special spot. You've painted a beautiful picture there for sure. Listen, uh, Jeff, continue good luck with uh, Smuggler's Cove and we hope you have your busiest summer to date. And uh, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. No problem, Good morning to you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Jeff uh, Witcherly of Smugglers Cove, Ireland's first, and at the moment only, as far as we know, tubing uh, park. So smugglerscove.ie if you want to go and book, particularly if you want to go and book for the the tubing, because there's nothing worse than to have all the kids geared up, all ready to go tubing, to turn up to discover that they're booked out. So please book in advance. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Somebody was on to say, listening to our piece with uh, Smuggler's Cove and the first tubing park in Ireland in Ross Garbury. Uh, somebody was know, can you buy gift vouchers for people for the tubing park? I got John Paul to give Jeff a call back who says, yes, Smuggler's Cove do do gift vouchers. You need to ring them on 023-8848054. if you want to purchase uh, gift vouchers. Now, lots of texts uh, coming in to us, including one. It says, hi, Patricia. When you go for a COVID test and if it is positive, how do they know if it's the Delta variant? Could it not be another variant? Yes, of course it could. Well, I can tell you how. What they need, what they need to do at the moment is they have to do a thing called a geosequencing and they can take about two weeks on a positive PCR test to determine whether it was the Delta variant or a variant of concern, whatever it is. That's why when we initially heard that 20% of all cases were the Delta variant, we then realised that that was actually, that information was two weeks out of date because it had taken two weeks for that information uh, to come out, to come through and hence the reason why it's jumped so quickly up to 80% plus, of course we know it is highly uh, contagious. So now they know that 80% of cases at the moment because of that geosequencing so they're assuming now that out of every 10 cases, 8 of them are going to be the Delta variant and will eventually get to 100% of cases like the Kent one. Uh, yes, they probably, probably will. But what they're planning on doing is they're planning on bringing in a new PCR testing uh, kit. There's a new one that's been modified, modified, which provides more targeted information on variants of concern and it gives more information on new strains that emerge. And see me, the new version of the PCR test uh, when it becomes available will give people within the HSE uh, the heads up about things like the Delta variant or if God forbid we get another uh, different strain which is uh, very possible and they're expecting those new PCR tests uh, to come in in the coming weeks. But as of now they do geosequencing on it but it can take up to two weeks and you, I don't and you won't be told for sure 
that you know it's the Delta variant you just get told that it is COVID-19 and it doesn't matter you know coronavirus is coronavirus all we know is that the Delta variant is much more uh, contagious now when I mentioned about the listener who is is 63 and was saying could I put a shout out to see if any other people in the early 60s are they still waiting on their COVID jab got a string of texts in let me give you some of them morning Patricia I'm 66 just back from getting my second AstraZeneca a jab I heard on your programme someone inquiring tell that lady she'll probably be waiting no longer than next uh, week I got mine in CIT I'm from Dripsy so it was nice and near but it was a long walk from the car park says this texter Hi Patricia I'm in exactly the same position as that 63 year old lady I'm a year younger I'm 62 still waiting on my second vaccine even though I have recovered from cancer so would be in a pretty much a vulnerable group. Patricia, I am 60. I'm waiting for my second AstraZeneca jab. My husband is a year younger at 59. He's now fully vaccinated because he would have gone in with the 50-year-olds. My children, 40-year-old, 37-year-old and a 29-year-old, all fully vaccinated. I'm the only one now and I have an underlying health condition, so it is a worry. So glad to hear that your daughter, Marcia, was fully vaccinated. Love and prayers, sir. Thank you for that. Yeah, it is a huge relief. Hopefully now it'll be sooner, sooner within the next week or so that you'll get the date and you'll be able to go in and, and get uh, vaccinated. But yeah, it is so strange in households. I've heard that from so many house, households where you have younger people who are fully vaccinated and the people on the AstraZeneca, mainly in the 60 to 69 group, who are still waiting. Then Dennis says, Trish, I've been listening to your show. I'm in my 60s. I haven't even got my first shot yet and I'm registered over a month. I've rang the HSE three times but no appointment yet says Dennis and I know somebody else contacted John Paul when I was off yesterday with a similar story as somebody else uh, waiting. What I would suggest to anybody in their 60s who has registered who hasn't had a first and this doesn't work if you've had a first shot I'd be Dennis finding your local pharmacy because pharmacies up to up to now have been able to do anybody over the age of uh, 50 so I'll be going into the pharmacy they're giving a Janssen and Janssen and it's only one jab and you'll be done in two weeks that's it. certainly if I was in my 60s waiting that's exactly what I would uh, be doing and it doesn't seem to matter once you have if you've had your first jab it's different but if you haven't had your first jab I can't there's no explanation as to why you haven't been called yet there are there are, there are a few but there's not a lot the majority of people have got their first uh, dose Hi Patricia, I'm 61 and I got called for next Friday. Two of my friends are going in next week. So tell the people that are inquiring, don't give up hope. This is Catherine in Glanmire. They're starting to get through people in their early 60s. And is in Newmarket. I'm 64. Uh, eight weeks, my eight weeks are up next Thursday. Haven't got an appointment yet, says Anne. Mary says, I'm still waiting for my second uh, vaccine. I'm a, I'm your County Kilkenny listener. I got my first one on the 15th of uh, May. And hi, I'm waiting for my second uh, COVID injection. I've rang them and they've said my eight weeks are up next uh, Thursday. Uh, but I haven't got my appointment yet, says somebody else. But hopefully those, those you know, because we are hearing from people saying, yeah, the appointments are starting to flow in now. And definitely we've been told by the HSE, confirmed again yesterday that by mid-July, it seems to be this date of the 19th of July is the date that they're saying that people will get their 
they will have all have, have had their second uh, jab. Mary McCroom, I got my first jab, 6th of May. I got my AstraZeneca, it was AstraZeneca, and I got my second one on the 8th of July. So eight weeks, very happy with that uh, time frame. So some people are within exactly the eight weeks, but it does seem to depend on what part of the city and county that you're in. And I think people in the city, it's probably the bigger the population base. People in North Cork, because it's such a wide area, it seems to be the population base. People in West Cork seem to be running ahead. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's geographical as well, for sure. Mary, I got my jab on the 12th of May. No date yet for my second. Who is running the HSE? People can now walk into a chemist for a jab and yet I have to wait. See, I can understand the absolute uh, frustration. I was due my second dose as Nula, but my husband was going earlier this week for his at the Mallow Vaccination Centre. So I asked those in the car park, is there any hope that I could get mine today? They relayed it back to the people inside. A doctor came out, asked me a few questions and said, yeah, pop inside. I got my second jab. (laughs) <laughs> well done Chan, Nula chance to run but it certainly paid off well done 1850 now we've been talking about cancellations of communions and confirmations and baptisms and how upset people have been and I mentioned that we're hearing that some people are still going ahead with the parties but not everybody's going ahead with the parties well we've had a call in from Trish to say we are caterers our company is called Catering to You and we're based in Newtown Chandram now we serve a very large large area stretching from North Cork into Limerick and even into Tipperary. I was washed out on Tuesday. Everyone is not partying as we received so many cancellations. But the thing is, I already have my stock in and now we've lost out due to the decision that was made and announced on uh, Tuesday, which then became official on Wednesday. All my staff, by the way, are fully vaccinated, but it really has affected us this week. So it's not a case that everybody's continuing with the parties. Yeah, the knock-on effect of that decision outside of the huge amount of disappointment for the little children themselves and for for the family but the knock-on effect is for people like that yes and we were probably wrong to say that people are some people will continue with the party but not absolutely not everybody will will my heart goes out to you particularly when you've the stock in it's a little bit like the restaurants and the publicans who all thought that they were opening next monday they you know it came like a bolt out of the blue to them when they weren't allowed to open next Monday and many of them had their stock in as well and that's a kind of a bitter pill uh, to swallow. Martin in Formoy wants to have a go at wasn't it Mark who had contacted us saying that it was wasn't it where's Mark's text actually it's just there. Uh, Mark had contacted us when I did the interview about Anne Bonney who was the pirate who was originally born on the old head of Kinsale and she's been in the 1700s and she's been commemorated in Kinsale with this mural that's painted on the stony steps. Now Councillor Kevin Murphy when he spoke with us did say that while a lot of people were very happy with it there was some people were against it and then Mark made the point with all of the important historical figures in our history in Kinsale they've decided to pick a pirate and what is a pirate but a thief and a murderer and uh, was saying the time seems to make us all misty eyed and forget about the barbaric cruelty that these people were uh, responsible for so Mark isn't happy about the fact that Kinsale will be commemorating a a pirate well Martin Infamoy says would you please tell that guy Mark about pirates to cop himself on it's the same old story again the Irish holding on to grudges for too long 
get over it, man, for God's sake. There are more important issues, you know, says Martin Infomoy. Well, Martin Infomoy, all I will say to you is that Mark is not on his own. There are many people who don't like the idea because of what Anne Bonny stood for. They don't like the idea that the that she's been remembered now by that mural on the steps. Others, like you could self, are happy out with it. 1850-333-103. Anne says, Patricia, good morning. We remember indoor pubs and restaurants when they opened in December. Look what happened then. Many bars and restaurants will fill up just to make money like they did last September and it will be disastrous, says Anne. So Anne obviously is very much on the side of what the government are doing and what Neffet have recommended in not opening up indoor dining. And then on communions and confirmations. Hi, what about weddings? Are they not allowed to go ahead from next Monday? Will they not all be seated at the top table and spread out? It seems a very strange situation that you can allow a wedding to go ahead but yet you're not going to allow communions and confirmations. And weddings? Now it's interesting in the wording on this on gov.ie. Weddings that are already planned will be allowed to proceed under the new guidance that had been expected which means from next Monday, 5th of July, 50 guests will be able to attend a wedding reception with protective uh, measures. And it was it's 25 at the moment and on the 5th of July it goes to 50. But it, it, it only says for those already planned. So obviously people who were expecting it to go to 50. So do I take it if you wanted to plan a wedding that wasn't already planned, would you still be allowed at 50 or not? I don't know. But yeah, I can see the point that the listener is making. If you're allowing 50 people to attend a wedding, then why can't you allow communion parties? And if they're saying that the reason for it is they don't want to hold communion parties, because I take it most communion parties wouldn't have 50 people inside in their houses. But then the argument would be a group getting together in a house is very different to a group getting together with the proper procedures in place in a hotel with the proper protective uh, measures. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Kildallery Drive in Bingo. That's taking place in the Creamery Yard. It's at eight o'clock uh, tonight. And the Wallace family are holding a fundraising garden event. It's for the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day Fund. They're having it at their home, which is five Spiddle Cottages in Cloyne. And it will be held on Friday, the 23rd of July, from 9.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Donations for raffle will be accepted the day before. You can contact them for more information on 021 four six five two zero five two and the Cork Cancer Centre they're looking for your support for their virtual fundraiser Walk with the Warriors every day you're asked to walk for 30 minutes in honour of a warrior in your life and you're encouraged to dress up and make it fun for your family for more details on how to donate can you check out Cork Cancer Care Centre on their social media pages Cork Today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie thank you to Eamon Moffat who's just sent in a text saying best wishes to all at C103 and to all of your listeners from Inishmore in the Aran Islands. Kind regards from Eamon. Oh, what a lovely place to be on an island. I think going off to an island and if the sun is shining I imagine it's quite idyllic there at the moment. Enjoy Eamon. And Margaret says any idea of, on who's behind this number? I didn't answer it and it's an 085 uh, number. Um, 
I've, I've no idea, Margaret. I've no idea who it is, but I know you're suspicious in case it's one of these scams. What I say to everybody, and this is certainly what I've been doing for quite some time, I don't answer numbers that are not in my phone book of somebody I know. And if it is somebody who is really trying to get through to you, then they'll leave a message and you'll know whether to ring them back or not. But if it was a scam, I'm just looking at the digits, you see, because it, it comes up. It looks like it's a normal Irish uh, number. So, Margaret, you did the right thing in not answering. And if it's somebody trying to get through to you, they will leave a message or they'll text you or they'll contact you again. And Margaret said, I was delighted to hear that a gentleman talking about the tubing park in Ross Garbery. That was uh, Jeff Witcherly. We always go to places in Ireland, our lovely country. So that definitely now, having listened to him today, is going to be on our day trip list. Uh, thanking you. And that's the idea of our Friday feature. That's what we've been doing it for the last few weeks and we'll continue to do it throughout the summer. We're trying to come up with, with places for day trips and that's why we're focusing only on uh, Cork City and County. So if anybody has a suggestion, if you've been anywhere and you thought it was a really nice day out and ideally what we're trying to do is some sort of something that suits all the families so that you can bring you know everyone from the smallies right up to maybe grannies going out with you for the day. Something and it can be a day trip or it can be part of somebody's staycation but we're very much focusing across Cork City and County. So if you if you have a suggestion of some place that you think we should feature on our Friday summer feature then please let us know. We welcome your suggestions and that we can get on to whoever's uh, behind the event and uh, see if they're willing to and so far everyone's been very willing to come on and uh, tell us all about what wh- what's going on in their area. Just try to give a plug. A lot of these are independent businesses as well. So if we, and if we can give suggestions to people for a nice a day out then we will certainly have done our work. Patricia, how did your daughter get on with her second uh, vaccine on Wednesday? Bless her heart. She was great. She's very brave. She's very great about getting injections and all of that. But again, as with the first one, she was a little bit unwell. Just spikes a little bit of a high temperature a bit tired she seems to get very tired after it and her arm this morning is quite sore but again when Marcia gets her flu vaccine it comes up like a golf ball she's always been like that on all of the vaccines I've ever I've ever had to give her They, but it's only a day or two and then it's fine so she's currently I would say today milking it <laughs> because <laughs> she's at home she's at breakfast in bed and uh, daddy's working from home today so he's looking after her and she's totally totally milking it she's a complete little diva when she thinks she can take to the bed and that we'll all pamper her and look after her and doesn't she deserve it so I know she'll be fighting fit and fine by the time uh, I get home and life will return to a normal but thank you very kind of you to ask and Christy's one of the people who had his first AstraZeneca hasn't had his second yet but he's a bit concerned because he said I reported an issue that manifested itself within two weeks of getting my first vaccine which I reported on the HSE report form but I didn't have any response from the HSE this means I'm very much undecided on whether I will get my second one unless the HSE reports to me I will be following that up uh, Christy because what you have to remember I don't know when you got your when you got your first jab, was it before, during or slightly after the 14th of May? Remember when the cyber attack uh, happened? I will be chasing it down maybe with a phone call and maybe find out. But you can, you know, when you do get called, you can put all the questions to them and tell them and whatever. Because I know certainly when I went with Marsha, I got asked how was she after the first one and explained she had the, the very slight, very slight side effects that a lot of people, she was quite unwell in, in herself. And it was just being special needs. It's hard to explain to her the reason you're feeling well is because you got this injection yesterday and you'll be fine in a day or two. So that just you know makes it that just it's just an added thing when you have a special needs child getting any kind of an, an injection like that. But for most people, I mean, I have to say hand on heart, I got mine.
fine. And I, I had absolutely no side effects after the first one. Even my arm, unless I pressed, really pressed hard on the site of the injection, I didn't really feel anything. I heard other people got a bit of a dead arm and all of that and then it passed. And then after my second one, again, absolutely fine. I got it on the Sunday, came to work on the Monday, absolutely fine. And then at about six o'clock on the Monday, I got what I described as a wave of tiredness. It just flattened me and I just went to bed and slept it off and got back up the next day I was back into work on Tuesday fighting fit uh, again so there's you know, lots of people talk about things like that so you will hear if some people feel a little bit of well but it normally lasts only a day or two and then people are fine but Christy I'd be chasing that down and just bec- but bear in mind there was the HSC cyber attack and could what you sent in I've got lost somewhere along the line so definitely check it out check it out and understandably if you have concerns then you know, look into those concerns and find out was it anything to do with the vaccine or not. Now, it's been a very busy few weeks for businesses that have been allowed to open their doors to customers again this month. In this week's Cork versus COVID, we've been looking back at the businesses that were allowed to reopen last month. Finola Toomey of the Kingsley Hotel and Fota Island Resort says, says staycations are making up for the loss of the international visitors. And she spoke with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. Let's get down, let's get down to business. As the country awaits the next phase of reopening, it's been a busy few weeks for those businesses that were allowed to open their doors to customers again last month. Hotels have been busy with staycations and Fanola Toomey of the Kingsley Hotel and Fota Island Resort says it's making up for the loss of international visitors. For Fota Island Resort, uh, the staycations are strong enough to carry them through the summer. Um, for the Kingsley, um, we can certainly see um, a different mix of business as this would be, I suppose, more of a corporate property and with international travel throughout the summer um, but we've certainly replaced a lot of that with domestic. Outdoor dining has brought new life to the city centre and towns across the county and Michael Ryan of Cockbull says bars and restaurants have been doing all they can to make it work. You can see a lot of places have put up new heaters, parasols so there's a big effort put in that I think that, we, that people can stay out longer if they wish in different, through the year. But Ursula Hales of Amicus says they can't wait for indoor dining again. Our outdoor space is nothing in comparison to the capacity that we have indoors but it certainly has been a a great kickstart and a great way to give the city a boost. Cinemas and theatres have been back in business. The Everyman won't have an audience until September but artists are working in the theatre and artistic director Sophie Motley says it's been a relief. I think the building might just be grinning to itself because she's been sat here empty in McCurtain Street for over a year and the fact that there are artists in here doing what they do is beyond exciting. People have been flocking to gyms again but Tony Martin who runs a personal training and wellbeing centre in the city says the uncertainty around restrictions is taking its toll on people's mental wellbeing. It's that unease you know, the, the squad people are feeling because of the unknown mm. and that's where that whole thing is at I think for absolutely everybody and we're just waiting to be told yeah you can do this you can do that and everybody's in the same boat so we've just got to make the most of it make the best of it and, and just flow on and wait and see what happens let's get down let's get down Our thanks to uh, Fiona Corcoran and to all those who took part in our Cork versus COVID series. We'll have more from the same next week. Somebody's asking about hotels. Or sorry, someone's asking about weddings. We know that they are increasing to 50 people from next Monday. Somebody wants to know, will they increase further? Do we know? 
Uh, there was talks at one stage of them increasing to 100, but I don't think they have given any dates on that yet. And obviously, with what's going on with the Delta variant, everything can change. So the changes that are coming in for the weddings from next Monday, up to 50 people can attend a wedding service, which is up from 25, which is what it is this weekend. And funerals also can have up to 50 mourners. Gatherings before and after funerals should not take a place. But no, absolutely no word on the number increasing further. And with the Delta variant the way it is, my suspicions would tell me that it won't increase further. Ita in Douglas was listening to us earlier talking with independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins from West Cork and says, does Michael Collins understand that the young people who were out and about socialising at Christmas came home with the virus and that it spread a lot? That is why Neffet and the government are pushing the agenda at the moment. Uh, they've learned the lesson from Christmas. Has nobody else learnt? We need to listen to the experts. And somebody else actually was making a similar point uh, saying how everyone's gone quiet. This was um, John in White's Crossing. I think the government are correct in their decisions. I have relatives in Scotland and cases are doubling there due to Delta. I feel the lockdown should be left as it is. It is safer for all of us. The tourism industry is receiving grants and workers are on the PUP payment. And if we open everything up, we will all be voting the same from the graveyard, the only mistake the government made was moving Stephen Harris from Stephen Harris from health. Um, sorry, I'm a bit confused there. At the, the, the end of it. Okay, uh, but basically, uh, saying that the government there's there's actually a number of people. I can see a number of calls coming in to, to John Paul. There's a number of people feeling that the right decision, Neffert, have made the right decision. Patton from I was another one said Neffert proved that they were right as yesterday the opposition politicians and those in government who were against Tuesday's announcement seemed to go very quiet. That was they took some time to have a proper look at the de- the data from Neffet. Neffert has got us this far. We need to trust them. But interesting, I felt people went quiet yesterday after all the roaring that went on the day before. And we know we made, the mistakes were made when, De- when Neffert wasn't listened to before and suddenly they've been listened to now. And just to let you know, on driver's licence, this is a breaking story from today. Ten months are said to be added to the expiry date of some driving licence due to expire between now and the end of October. Now, the extension will apply to driver's licence expiring from yesterday, the 1st of July to the 31st of October 2021. Ten months then get added to the expiry date in cases where the driving licence has not benefited from an extension previously. Now, this is going to be important. The move comes as the European Union and the national governments are taking steps in response to the disruption caused by COVID to driving licensed services right across the EU. So again, we're not the only country doing this. The expiry date of an Irish driver's licence is visible opposite the 4B on your licence. If the date is between 1st of July 2021 and 31st of October 2021, then the extension of 10 months will be applied. And similar as they did with other extensions, you need to do, you don't need to do anything. The 
register that holds all the information on the driver's licence, that would be updated. You won't get issued with a new driver's licence and if you get stopped by the Gardaí and you're asked to show your driver's licence, they will know that your driving licence has been extended and it will be on their system. But if you are a driver who has benefited from a previous extension, these would have been people last year, we would have been announcing something similar last year about an extra 10 months being added onto somebody's driver's licence, uh, then your new renewal date will be the new date of the 10 months added on to whatever date your licence was due last year. You must renew with the NDLS. And I know if you go on to the NDLS, you can put in your information and they'll let you know when your licence is due for renewal. But there is a new extension being added for people who haven't had a previous extension. I know this is going to cause so much confusion for people. But basically, check on your driver's licence. If it is out from the 1st of July, 2020 yesterday 2021 yesterday basically and if it expires any time between then and the 31st of October this year then you simply add 10 months on and that's going to be your new date when you're going to need to renew your driving licence 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As promised earlier, Mark Malone would come back to us and take a look at some movies for us and he joins me now by phone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Now, you uh, saw a couple of movies for us. One is The Ice Road and one is Good on Paper. Let's uh, take a trailer from The Ice Road. You heard about the cave-in? Yeah. I'm putting together a rescue mission. Says you had experience on The Ice Road. Yep. My brother is in that mine. This is personal. Now I'm angry. What the hell was that? Come in, Lucy, you're all going in. There's no time. We're coming. Just hang on. 
Now, people who drive on these ice roads, as you were saying earlier on this morning, there is a programme that you can watch people driving on these roads. It's incredible what they have to do. Uh, yeah, there's a program. It's called uh, Ice Road Truckers, which I've, uh, which I used to watch, and uh, I can tell you, watching one episode of Ice Road Truckers is scarier than this thing. It really is. Ah. And it, well, the, the thing is, I mean, it's for real. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's the way in which they direct the programs. I mean, obviously, you know, maybe they're not as big as danger as we think they are. Uh, but the fact is, is that you, you know, you do get quite tense watching the program because it is purportedly for real. Rather than, unfortunately, here it doesn't really quite work, and uh, there's not necessarily the amount of tension and excitement uh, as you would wish. The tagline of the film is very interesting, though. It's called "This Mission Is on Tin Thin Ice." So, of course, the thing is, because uh, an ice road is is a frozen lake or a frozen river, and of course, that these truckers do drive on these roads. Um, first of all, there's a couple of interesting things about the film. First of all, um, uh, Netflix paid a record fee to to, to have this uh, on their streaming service. I think in in America, I think they paid something like eighteen million dollars, which I think was a domestic record uh, a couple of years ago at that time when they actually bought this. Although it's only just been uploaded to um, uh, to the streaming services uh, just this past week. And the thing is, is that ironically, for some strange reason, and I don't know why, it's not available on Netflix here in Ireland. Oh. Uh, but the rest of the world have it on Netflix, which is odd. So if you go to look for this film and you kind of look it up online, you'll see, oh, it's a Netflix, a Netflix film. It's not on our Netflix, but it is actually, for some reason, uh, available on um, Amazon Prime. I don't know why. I tried to find, find out why, uh, but I couldn't find out a reason. So there must have been some kind of, I don't know, contractual problems or, you know, gymnastics going on or something. So anyway, if you want to watch this film, it's not on Netflix, even though Netflix owners, it is on uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Okay. Yeah. So yet another uh, kind of thriller, uh, exciting kind of movie for uh, Liam Neeson, who has made 33 films in the last 10 years. And so he just keeps churning out these kind of action movies. And unfortunately, they all kind of tend to blend into uh, to one. And he's been in the snow quite a few times in the past. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, there's a, he made a wonderful movie, you know, where he was being chased by wolves um, in Canada a couple of years ago. I remember and it was that. Called Grey. Yeah. And that was it. That was probably the, his last best kind of thriller that he made. And it's, I think it is probably his last best performance because basically he's just playing the same character over and over again. And he does so here, as he did in Taken and as he did uh, in, uh, you know, Amongst the Tombstones and The Honest Thief. It's basically Liam Neeson doing uh, Liam Neeson again. And uh, I read a review which said he's kind of slept walked his way through this. Uh, he has at times. He, at least there are occasions where he does show some emotion. But most of the time they're right, I'm afraid. You know, I don't know why he's just there for the money or, you know, as I say, he's just bored and he wants to do something. Because yeah, you wonder, because you wonder, is it just complete boredom? Nothing else to do, so I'll do what I do. I'll just make movies. Exactly, yeah. He'll turn up and he'll do it because it's a shame because this could have been so much better and so much more exciting than it actually is. I mean, it's really, really dull when you consider, you know, stuff happens all the time. Um, and, you know, you're just sitting watching it going, but you're not getting emotionally involved in it. And you don't particularly like him very much because you don't really get to know him very much uh, either uh, in the film. So you just spend the whole time just watching it going, okay, stuff is happening. But you never really get that excited or thrilled by by, by what you're watching. And it could have done, I think, with a, with a, with, with with, with a better editor because at one stage you know he's, he, he has a fight with somebody and I went to my phone halfway through this fight to check on some soccer scores I came back to it and I thought oh they're still fighting I mean that's how kind of dull ah. this film is and it's a terrible shame you know because the CGI is very very poor when CGI works well it's great when it's not so great 
then it's a terrible shame. And there are times when it really is really creaky in this film. And that's a pity. Um, there are some pretty good action sequences. I want to make that quite clear. You know, I'm not going to just, you know, they, some people have given this a completely bomb rating. It's not a bomb, but it is very disappointing. And, uh, and it's a shame. And, um, I just wish that maybe, you know, Liam could start maybe, you know, looking at roles with a bit more depth uh, to them uh, rather than just kind of churning out this kind of stuff. Um, so in the end, I'm afraid it was a disappointment. And so what's the basic storyline? The, 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 is the road about to melt on them? Well, that's part of the problem because, well, what they have to do is they have to go to northern Canada, uh, to Manitoba, because there's been a mine blast and men are trapped uh, in the mines. And so they have to get this wellhead to them, but they can't fly it out because of the, the bad weather. So they've got to take this this wellhead via the ice road. Now, the thing is that in December, it's perfectly fine, but it's April, and of course, the, the ice is very, very thin, and it's very, very dangerous, as it uh, proves to be. And, um, yeah, it's um, so unfortunately, the vision is on thin ice, so was the movie, I'm afraid. <laughs> so the ice road, mark it out of 10? Um, uh, five. It's not a complete waste okay. of everybody's time. It's not a bomb, but it's just not great. Okay, your second movie that you watched is Good on Paper. Uh, yeah, this uh, stars and is written by Eliza Schlesinger, who is a stand-up comedian. I know of her. Uh, a lot of her stuff is online, and uh, I do think she's very, very good. And I do remember about six years ago, she does uh, a stand-up routine where she talks about uh, this guy that she met. And uh, she decided then to... And she's constantly talked about this uh, over the years, and people kind of remind her of this kind of stand-up set, which has become kind of almost viral, and people talk about it all the time. And so she has decided to um, kind of put it down on paper, and instead of uh, doing the stand-up routine, make a movie out of uh, this particular story. And it's a story um, where she meets this guy. I remember in the stand-up routine, and his, his name was Brian, but uh, he's, she's changed this here to, to Dennis. So she meets this guy, Dennis. Now, the thing about Alice Messenger is that she constantly talks about her life and her relationships and her relationships with men. And she makes it quite clear that she likes good-looking men. Okay. She wants her men to be tall and hot and, and cut and Nothing really, really good-looking. Nothing wrong with that, and you know she gets frustrated when she is single, and people say, "Well, look, why don't you just come down the divisions? Isn't it better to be with somebody rather than being alone?" She says, "No, no, I want a hot man. That's what I want." And she doesn't kind of make, and she's not embarrassed by that in any way, shape, or form. So she meets uh, um, this guy called Dennis on a, on a plane one time. He's not a man she finds particularly attractive, but he's quite smart, and she finds him interesting. And he tells her that uh, he has gone to Yale and that uh, he is a uh, hedge fund manager, and he's, he's quite a rich man, and uh, he's got a house in Beverly Hills, and she thinks, but he's, this guy's kind of interesting, and they can become friends, and, um, and then they become lovers. But then she begins to kind of notice that um, a lot of other things about his life don't really seem to kind of ring true. For example, he refers to his mother quite often, but she never gets to meet her. Um, uh, he says he's got this house in Beverly Hills, but uh, he never takes her there because he always seems to find kind of an excuse not to take her. And he, he then meets somebody else from Yale, and uh, they ask him questions about his time at Yale, and he doesn't seem to be able to come up with any kind of real, kind of concrete kind of responses to uh, their interest to, uh, in, in their kind of former school. Then she begins to realize that, in fact, nothing this man has ever said or done is true. He's just this compulsive liar. And she begins to kind of look into his life and look into his background and find that, yeah, this guy is just just an ordinary waste of space who just goes through life completely lying. For example, if they went to the restaurant, he would find a way not to pay for the, the, the meal. He would forget his, his wallet. He said he was a, a, tenor, a, a golf pro at one stage, and 
So she um, introduced him to a friend of uh, hers that uh, plays golf. And just before he's about to tee off, he gets a bad back. Uh-huh. And so he can't play. And so all of this thing and all of these kind of things happen and constantly happen. And she begins to understand and realize that, you know, there's something about, quite, quite right here. And she's got two friends. Uh, one is played by a good actress called uh, uh, Rebecca Rittenhouse and Margaret Cho, who's also a stand-up comedian. There's one beautiful, wonderful scene between the, the three of them uh, where they go to the house in Beverly Hills where he says he lives. And, um, and it's a very, very well-written, very well-acted and very, very funny scene. Unfortunately, there are and you know there aren't too many of those you wanted more of those um, she also um, directs the film in such a way that it's very similar to the early series from Seinfeld if you remember Seinfeld used to do kind of a standard routine at the start and yeah. at the end of every yeah. reference every, every episode and here she does that too constantly throughout uh, the film you know they, they, she comes out of the narrative uh, to kind of um, and, uh, and uh, inserts a piece of that stand-up routine to kind of explain the plot as, as uh, she's going along. And she's a very, very good stand-up comedian. She really is. Um, though unfortunately, the, the very last kind of section, the last kind of 20 minutes, is a nonsense because obviously to, kind of, to just kind of finish everything and kind of finish everything kind of nicely, she obviously came up with um, a kind of a, a, an idea and a storyline that just doesn't make any sense. And it obviously isn't real. She does say that it's about three quarters, uh, uh, you know, um, re- in reality. And, um, and that was a shame. But up until then, I thought it was really entertaining. And I thought she was very, very good. I thought everybody was really good. Ryan Hansen plays the character of Dennis, and he's excellent. So all the performances are really, really good. And um, I think certainly women might uh, enjoy this more than men, although I'm a man, and I did uh, like it. But then I know uh, Eliza Schlesinger's uh, stand-up comedy. A lot of people might not uh, like it because people might find it a little bit too aggressive. Yeah, if you're, if you're a fan, you, you love it. And hence the reason why she describes the guy as being good on paper because that's literally all he was. Okay, exactly. uh, Mark, good on paper out of 10? Uh, I'll, I'll give it a good eight, though. Eight, okay. And I that's on Netflix. Is yeah. that on Netflix? Is that, Netflix? Uh, that one is That one is on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Okay, good on paper. And what was the previous one? Somebody said it's called The Ice Road. Okay, Mark, thank you for that. Have a good week. You and uh, we'll chat again next week. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. So that's why I've got to wrap it up for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for once again producing. Nick Richard is with you for the afternoon. And we're back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock for another week of Cork Today. Looking forward to your company on to then. Have a great weekend. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. Cork Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.